What's going on, everybody? Today, we are exposing the kingdom of darkness. Spirits like Jezebel, Baal, and Belizebub are talked about a lot throughout Scripture. But what do these demons do and where do they come from? Why are they specifically attacking you in the way that they are? Jesus says in Luke chapter 11 verse 18 that Satan has a kingdom. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we are fighting against spiritual wickedness specifically. So we're going to be doing an in-depth Bible study on specifically the kingdom of darkness and how we can overcome it by being as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. Because the devil cannot create anything, he can merely simply imitate. So the devil imitates the Trinity. Now, this unholy Trinity is at the top of the kingdom of darkness. It is the perversion of the Godhead. So the first person to this unholy Godhead is Satan. So there's a few general things about Satan that we should know. First and foremost is that he has control over one third of the angels. In Revelation chapter 12 verse 4, it says that when Satan was cast down, he took a third of his angels with him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, it says that Satan is the lowercase g, God of this world. And in Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 14, it says that Satan is a cherubim who is covered in precious jewels, has pipes in his chest, and that he used to be on God's holy mountain. Satan has power over the earth and at one time had power over death before Christ took it away from him. Now, only God's children under Christ have the power to overcome the devil and rebuke him. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The second person to this unholy Godhead is the great whore. We read about this great whore in Revelation chapter 17. It says that the great whore is the mother of all harlots and abominations on the earth. She is the spirit of whoredom causing everyone to forsake God and commit spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery in scripture is talked about as whoredom. Everywhere in scripture where you hear about spiritual whoredom, the great whore is behind it. Her desire is to cause all of mankind to be of one mind and forsake God and worship the devil. And this is specifically talked about in Revelation chapter 17 verse 13. The third and final person to this unholy Godhead is the false prophet. We read about him in Revelation chapter 13. He speaks blasphemy. And to speak blasphemy, you have to be filled with the great whore's spirit. This false prophet operates in signs, wonders, and miracles to cause people to make an image to the beast, then gives life to the image of the beast so it can talk. And to those that don't worship this image will be killed in Revelation chapter 13 verse 14. He is also given authority to kill anyone who doesn't worship the beast or take his mark. And that's again in Revelation chapter 13. The devil the whore and the false prophet make up the unholy trinity. Satan is the perversion of God the Father, operating as the ruling power to delegate his authority to whoever he wants. The great whore is the perversion of the Holy Spirit, as seen in Revelation chapter 17, where those that drink her cup of abomination and filthiness and fornication become all of one mind to give their power to the beast and to worship him. It's this unholy spirit that causes men of the earth to work in unity to worship the beast. The false prophet is the perversion of Jesus Christ, God the Son. The false prophet has been given power by the beast to work false signs and wonders, to deceive as many people as possible, including the saints of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the false beast is to do the will of the devil and cause as many people on earth to worship the devil as possible and forsake God. The goal of the unholy trinity is to get all of mankind to fall away from the faith and just forsake God. The devil doesn't care what you worship as long as it's not God, as long as it ain't Jesus Christ. And so the devil 
throughout history, even to this day, has been tempting mankind with access to his power to tempt mankind to be the false prophet. Now, it's not going to happen until the false prophet is actually here, but the devil has been tempting and teasing mankind with that access to his authority. And we even see him try and tempt Jesus with this, where he tempts Jesus saying that he'd give him all his power if Jesus worshipped him. Now, I want you to think of something. In scripture, it says that they worshiped the beast and it gave the beast power. Now, Jesus being God would never worship creation. It's total abomination. But it makes you wonder, why would Satan even try that? I think Satan was so puffed up in himself that he thought that if he could get God to worship him, he could have the same power as God rather than only the levels of access that God has given him authority to operate over. Was the devil really trying to get God's ultimate power by having Jesus himself worship the devil? This is a perversion that's in the devil's mind. The devil has a name your price type deal. He offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth if he would just worship him, but then only offered 30 pieces of silver to Judas as Judas betrayed Jesus. So the devil will pay you whatever you sell yourself for. And if the devil can't get you to join his team, his goal is to then try to slow you down or kill you in every and any ways possible. This is the persecution of the church. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This is a declaration of truth. You want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Now, jumping down to principalities. This all starts back to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was made after the image of God's throne, okay? So let's get comfortable with God's throne. We see the literal manifestation of God's throne in Ezekiel chapter 1. There is four cherubim under the throne of God. It says that they had wheels surrounding each cherubim. And it says that the throne that was above these cherubim had the likeness of a man upon the throne, which is Jesus Christ. Now look at the Ark of the Testimony in Exodus chapter 25. It's a three-dimensional rectangle that has four corners with four rings to hold the two different poles that the Levites would hold over their shoulder. So we see a symbol of power at the top and two, two at the bottom at the corners. Now these four plus God at the top is five, all right? So when you see five in scripture, you should be seeing power. Why is that? I'm throwing my hand up for a reason. It's because the five fingers on your hand give you power. How do you manifest your power? By using your five fingers and grabbing things. Our power here is on earth to grab items and objects of the earth. We use it to grab stuff. We use it to grab a sword. We use it to throw a punch. We use it to dominate. We use our hand for power. Angels have wings. If you look at the anatomy of a wing, a bird's wing is really just another arm. And some birds have their hands like this, where it's all kind of one, one unit here. Um, and then you see bats who their hand is spread out and they're doing what with it? With the feathers, in unity with the shape and form of their hand that God created them with, they are pulling on the air. Angels fly with wings to represent them grabbing the Spirit of the Lord, grabbing the things of heaven, of the higher heaven, and pulling it down and manipulating the powers in heaven below their wings so that they can quite literally fly. And so the cherubim have hands of a man because it shows and represents their power on earth and their wings represent their power in the heavens. So five represents power, okay? Do you know how hard it would be to grab onto this cup for a long time without my thumb? Like I could do it, but it's kind of going to be a bit of a workout. Your thumb puts it all together and gives you a strong grip. 
This is why when the hand of the Lord comes upon everybody in Scripture, something mighty happens because it's really the power of God coming upon someone. We are made in God's image. There's a reason why we have what we have, the digits and everything. So now the Garden of Eden. We read that there was the Garden of Eden in the middle and that there was four rivers that flowed out from it. Pison, Gihon, Hiddekel, and the Euphrates River. That's four with the garden in the middle that represents God's throne. Now, Satan being the lowercase g God of this world has also a form of God's throne on earth. And that's what he sits at. Understand, scripture does not say that God kicked the devil out of the garden. God cursed the devil. He didn't kick him out. He kicked man out of the garden. And that's important to know because Satan still had that level of access to the garden, but man didn't. Revelation chapter 9 verse 14 says that there was four angels locked away in the Euphrates River and that they have the ability to slay a third of mankind. And in verse 11, it says that they have a king and his name is Abaddon that's over the pit, which is under the Euphrates River. The Euphrates is one of these rivers. This tells us that there is rank that is passed down from Satan. So in just this one example here, we see Satan at the top, then we see Abaddon, then we see four other angels. The Euphrates and Abaddon and the other angels are all locked away for a reason. But it begs the question, what about the other three rivers that are proceeding from the Garden of Eden? But if we apply the same formula of one of the rivers to the rest of the rivers, we see very clearly a form of hierarchy and power in the kingdom of darkness. Satan at the top, four king angels under him, and below those four angels are four more. Now again, five representing power. That one angel who is the king over the pit, Abaddon, has four angels under him who execute the manifestation of his assignments. And those four represent what? Five. So that one king has power with the four lower ranking angels that are under him. But if we apply this and look at the rest of the rivers, we see Satan at the top, four king angels below him, and below them, we see now in total 16 other angels that are assigned to do the enforcement of their ruling principality. So right there, we see a very clear picture of the principalities that are ruling and the form and hierarchy of it. This is quite literally the beginning of it. I've been studying scripture for quite a while on this topic, and I have found about 16 lowercase g gods that are mentioned in scripture. When it says that so-and-so is the god of the Amorites, the Philistines, the this, the that. When you read that a fallen angel is the god over a nation and people, when you see that nation in scripture, you should also be seeing the manifestation of that fallen angel operating over that place. I truly do believe that this goes even deeper than you could possibly imagine. But now we can understand with the eyes of revelation how principalities work and are assigned. And even far below the actual principality is an agent and a prophet that prophesies evil and an agent that sets up the house for the fallen angel. Before you see Ahab and Jezebel set up, they first had to have an altar set up. And so now we understand altars can be literally physical as well as spiritual altars. And this is what you and I see when we see spirit of Jezebel. Let's look at Jezebel as a very clean example. But before we go to Jezebel, we have to go to her principality, who is Astaroth. In 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 13, it says that Astaroth is the abomination of the Zidonians and that she is a goddess. So when we see Astaroth as the god of the Zidonians, 
we should also see the manifestation of Astaroth in the people who she rules over. And so if we do a study of the Zidonians, we actually find a study of Astaroth and Jezebel throughout it because Jezebel comes from Zidonia. She has a few characteristics of Astaroth is she is quiet and secure. She has no ruler, which means she has no covering. Isn't Jezebel like that? She is careless, is without shame, doesn't do business with anyone, attempts to be yoked with rulers of power. She is a whore to the other devils who will prostitute her to other principalities. She gets linked up with the fallen angel Dagon, who is another principality that is the enforcement of death and what you and I would call the marine kingdom. And the agent of Dagon who enforces the house of Dagon is Delilah. She is the agent that goes and tries to seduce people to come into her house of death, which is of Dagon, and you get locked away for eternity in the pit. She gets linked up with Baal, whose agent is Ahab, who is Jezebel's husband, Ahab. And it's like that because Baal typically operates at higher levels of power than the rest of them. When you look at Ahab, Ahab goes and sets up the groves, which are linked to Astaroth. And Ahab gives complete unfiltered access to his power to Jezebel. That's why she likes him. And Moloch, because she can use him to abort her babies. She has a handful of seductions. Entices you through seduction, emotional manipulation, divination, sexual temptation. Turns you into a spiritual eunuch, preventing you from growing. And then has you do her business and tries to control your decisions. And then finally, because you're yoked to her, she goes and sells you out to the other gods for further oppression. And Jesus talks about Jezebel in Revelation chapter 2 verse 20. When Jezebel died like 3,000 years after Jesus was talking about her, again, because the spirit it's a spirit of Jezebel. So right there, I went ahead and listed all of this stuff that has to do with the Zidonians into Jezebel. And in scripture, we read that Jezebel has daughters and children, and it goes on and on and on. But to understand principalities, we got to go all the way back in scripture. And so just like you and I know that the firstborn receives most the inheritance and the greatest sum of inheritance, it's because the firstborn receives all the power. The angels were created before we were. So the angels operate in high levels of power than us. This is the case because they were first. And so now we get to understand further levels of this stuff. And it gets even deeper than this. Each principality enforces specific types of sicknesses, specific types of curses, specific types of covenants. And the biggest one that the Holy Spirit told me is operating over America right now is Jezebel and Ahab. If we look at who these devils are agents of, whose will they are enforcing, we've got Jezebel enforcing Astaroth and we have Ahab enforcing Baal. But they go hand in hand, they link up together. And because the kingdom of darkness has a unity, we see that they all kind of link in together and pass each other off and pass off one person to another. And this is how you see one person manifest 40 different demons because they're manifest. What they've done is they, as you get linked into one demon, it's an open door to you don't know what. This is how this stuff works is why we got to stay clean. But understanding this path of principalities and how this plays out and works in the world we live in will grow you in your walk. And something the Holy Spirit told me specifically a few months ago is that religions that have a female as their goddess, 
uh, are, are agents of Astroth. And the largest one right now is Catholicism. They literally worship Mary. They put Mary above Christ, if not at an equal level. But guess what? That's not how this stuff works. Either it's Jesus Christ or you're going to hell. And so I've talked about this in the past. Catholicism, it ain't it. They worship a perversion of Jesus. They're worshiping Astaroth. And a lot of those Catholics, I've never met a Catholic family that does not have a Jezebel mom and an Ahab dad. And the most common and sad thing is actually uh, a lot of Catholics getting married to Christians. They're spineless Christians that have no backbone, and that's the spirit of Ahab. Usually it's the husband that is the Ahab and has no backbone and just is like, well, well, they love me. No one else will love me. And they get yoked to them. Then Jezebel comes in with her Catholicism. And because no one has a backbone in the scripture and in faith, they yield to this paganism that's called Catholicism. And then once they get yoked to it, then you see Jezebel start to take over and Ahab gets down on his knees and worships her. When the woman has the pants of the family and the husband is just in the backseat, chilling, doing nothing, letting the wife do whatever. And it's this is why so many families are destroyed because there is not supposed to be Ahab. There's not supposed to be Jezebel. There's only supposed to be the Holy Spirit uh, moving in the family. And this only happens when you have a strong, biblically masculine man of God being a man of God to his family. So I want to tell you all, thank you so much for watching. I pray that this blesses somebody. If it does, go ahead and share it, share it, share it with those that might not know. Because the more you know, now you know. You get wisdom and the truth will set you free. How precious is wisdom, y'all? Much better than gold on this earth. Y'all, this stuff is going to burn away. But this wisdom by the Holy Spirit, it's going to last forever. So I encourage you, check out livinginthisglory.com. On there is a bunch of prayers, teachings, and preachings that go even in more depth into this stuff that will help you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, join our email listing. We stream just about every night except Monday night and every Saturday at 10 a.m. we do deliverance sessions. You can check out the ministry site there, livinginhisglory.com. Share it, leave a comment, like, subscribe, and I pray the Lord would bless you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.